donors needed to understand that their generosity made it possible for us to put these quality people in place in the lives of these kids so that they were getting the trauma-informed care that they needed. Welcome to the new Center for Generosity podcast. I'm Mike Ward, a partner with GSB Fundraising, and today I get to be the host of this episode. On each episode, we work to equip generosity leaders by tackling a single topic related to growing generosity. Together, we answer the three most critical questions for success on on the day's topic. Today, I'm joined by Mitzi Schaefer, your normal host. She gets to switch chairs and sit in the consultant chair because today's topic is on storytelling. And Mitzi, since she's joined our firm, has become the best one in equipping our clients and friends with storytelling um, to help with the fundraising aspects of their ministry and just to advance their their organizational mission in general. So um, this is our last episode in the Donor First series. And Mitzi, I'm delighted you've joined us in that chair. Yay. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you switching with me. It's fun. So it's kind of interesting for me to think about asking you these questions because I'm often answering them with your words in my head, but I get to hear you say it today. So tell us, why is storytelling important in fundraising? Yeah. So um, ultimately, the reason that storytelling is so important is because we can't expect our donors to just know what we do and how it changes the lives of people that we serve. It's one thing to to say, this is what we do. We serve clients who need A, B, or C, or we help um, bring people together through worship, or we um, bring people to camp experiences where they can um, learn self-discipline and how to be independent, right? It's one thing to say we do that. It's another thing to show donors that it's actually happening and transforming someone else's life. Donors want to know that their gift is actually making a difference, that it is changing people. The world needs what we're offering. The world needs our mission to be realized in a, on a daily basis in the lives of those that we serve. And donors want to know when they make a gift that that is exactly what's happening. The other reason it's super important, and you know I'm going to say this, is because it's a deposit. Mm-hmm. We need to make deposits into the lives of our donors. We can't just always be asking friends. That's not what the relationship is about. And so when we tell donors how their gift matters, when we tell them over and over the different ways that it transforms the life of one of our clients or students um, or members, then, then they they feel that they have that emotional attachment to their generosity and it makes them want to do more. So stories really are critical. That's the only way to get that information across. Great. That's, that's so important. I've got your deposit language in my head and I often (laughs) say this is the inspiration piece. And if we're only informing and asking people come to think that we just want their money. Yeah. and this deposit in their life, it really makes people feel like their gift is impacting the world. 
um, which is just so critical. So thanks for articulating that for our listeners. Yeah. Um, is storytelling for fundraising different from other forms of storytelling? Yes, I believe that it is. Um, and uh, I'll give you an example. I had a client who had a lot of folks who were journalists on um, on their team. And it's a different kind of writing. Um, a lot of times writing um, out in the world, um, even press releases that our organization might put out are very informational. We're trying to get across specific information, when something's happening, why something's happening, where to go, how to register, what to do, that we need volunteers. That's a different kind of writing. It's a different kind of information. But when we're writing for fundraising, when we're writing to get across a point to the donor, the point is always that they paid for the agent of change. So let me explain what I mean by that. So, <laughs> so there's a change that happens in the life of a client or a camper or a member or whomever you serve, a foster child, right? There's a change that happens. They come into your organization and they're, they're in one place and then your work with them changes where they are for the better, hopefully, right? Because that's the mission. And because of the work you do, you are the agent of change. The programs you implement, the relationships that you build, those are the things that create the change. And when we write for fundraising, we have got to be writing in a way that identifies that your organization is that agent of change and how it has transformed the life of someone else. That is the impact. So it's not a timeline. It's not a timeline of a person who became a member, you know, 50 years ago and they're they're on this committee or that committee and they did these things. That is not what we're going for. We're going for impact and change. And I, I like that agent of change idea because, you know, oftentimes I hear, you know, staff are overhead or mm. um, that there's overhead in an organization. And, and when you can, you can articulate that, that, no, it's the staff person or this facility or this program that was the agent of that change. I, I think that's just, you know, it, it reframes the way in which people see what we do. Well, and I, you know, just from like a pure example of that, the reason that that model exists, the reason that it, it like was born was out of necessity um, because I was having to explain to staff at the organization where I was, that they're development officers. Everything you do, like everybody on staff is a development officer. And when you're changing the life of a, of a client, of a child who's been abused or neglected, you are that agent of change. That's what people are paying for. And those are all staff positions. They're not volunteer positions. They're, high, they're trained, ed educated, skilled positions that not just anybody can do. And so the donors needed to understand that their generosity made it possible for us to put these quality people in place in the lives of these kids so that they were getting the trauma-informed care that they needed. And that's really where that was born. And then if you translate that into other um, places, 
worship and pastoral care and counselors being with campers and all of these other ways, their staff positions, they're not overhead. They are the agent of change. They are the relationship generators. And that is the most critical asset that any organization can have. That's fantastic. Now, I want to back up a little bit because change is the first piece. And and to get people to tell a story of change in their life, that's kind of intimate. Do you have any any secrets or or keys that that help you as you're doing an interview for these stories of change that can help us get beyond the surface level of the what we did to what impact and difference it made? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it is a different kind of interview. You're exactly right. You have to know what you're listening for before you start the interview. You have to know what you're trying to get at. And sometimes if you know the person, that can be a little more difficult because you ex- you think you know what they're going to say. Um, but but the, the way that I approach it is to start by asking, who were you before? Mm-hmm. Who were you before you were connected to this organization? Who were you before you found this community or um, you were provided this particular service? How would you describe yourself? How were you feeling? What was lacking in your life? There's something missing. There's a void. And the agent of change is filling that void. Maybe it's belonging. Maybe it is um, how to do financial, like how to budget and, and be financial, right? Whatever it is, there was something missing. And so when you're asking questions, you want to get at what was it that that was missing before? And then what changed? I mean, like asking them, well, well, when you started coming here or when you started interacting with your caseworker or when you started interacting with the staff, what, what did they do? And let them kind of tell you what they did. And some people honestly have trouble getting there. And so as the person who's interviewing, you have to be patient. You have to let them say it a couple times. And my favorite question, here's a little giveaway for everybody. My favorite question is, could you say more about that? I, I use it in almost every interview or could you say that differently? Because what it does, it doesn't mean that they didn't tell me what I needed. They maybe got close to what I needed, but having them repeat it in a different way helps them even begin to realize it. And one of my favorite things about these interviews is that people begin to realize that they've changed too, especially somebody who's been connected to an organization for a really long time. And it's just sort of now a way of life for them. They realize, no, it isn't just a way of life. It is actually, it is actually making a difference for me. That's why I still come. So yeah. Thanks for, thanks for going down that road with me. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. Um, so, So what's the best way to use stories? Yeah, all the ways are the best ways to get stories. You never just use a story in one way, right? It's real estate and you want to use it in as many ways as possible. So um, one of my favorite things to do, um, and I do still believe stories should be in print. I do still believe that that picking it up and holding it and reading it, it's like flipping a book, right? It's different than on the Kindle when you crack that crack that, that feel of that book. So printing it, um, in some kind of, um, communication piece 
where it's the highlight. It's not, we don't bury it. We don't bury it inside of all sorts of other content that is informational. It doesn't get buried in your calendar. It doesn't get buried in an event. It doesn't get buried in, we need volunteers. No, it is the focus of what you're doing. And if you can put a couple of those into some kind of publication where people can read story after story, one of the, in, in every organization I've ever been a part of, the newsletter was lots and lots of information. And I took a chance and every one of them and just down to nothing and built it back up with nothing but stories. And every single time I got messages from donors who said, this is the first time I've read this particular news organization's newsletter from from cover to cover. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Or I would get checks in the mail. This is for a child like Lily because they had read that story. So using it in print is really important, but then don't just stop there. Use it in an email that doesn't, again, get buried inside of lots of information. Use it on social media. Um, Use it on um, your website. Most websites have some kind of blog function that you can put um, stories on and have those success stories and impact stories right there front and center. So, so, and imagine if a donor is trying to figure out who you are, or if somebody's trying to figure out if you are the place that they need to come and your success stories about the actual life, uh, somebody's actual life changing are front and center on your website. You're building trust and you're building transparency simply by having that content there and available to them. Um, But you're also deepening your relationships with your donors and making huge deposits. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, tell them tell them early and often, and don't bury them behind right. a bunch of stuff. That's so right. I often say in the nonprofit world, we're going to lose on information, but our story beats everybody else's, and so we've got to bring people in through the story, and then they'll care about the information. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm a rookie at this, but I'm going to get to our closing comments. Unless you have anything to say in the final summary before we go on to that. No, let's see how you handle it, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, I do. And uh, you might have to edit me out here later. So uh, we start a new series uh, next week. The stories will be on board development. Uh, The board is so critical to the success of an organization. We need to be constantly reviewing and renewing uh, and looking at that. And I I haven't told you this, Mitzi, but I had a group of uh, 80 nonprofit leaders, uh, board members, on a call the other night and 75% of them had never been trained for the work that they were doing. So oh we have some work to do on board development. I'm excited for the topic and I'm excited for the lineup that we're bringing uh, mm-hmm. to, to lead that series. So you'll wanna, you'll wanna come back for that one. Um, folks, you have an impact. Let's make sure that that's what the world knows so they will support your mission uh, and support your mission with passion. Uh, it's not about the information so much uh, until people know the impact that you're having. So, so lead with that, tell your story, tell it well. And we have other resources within the Center for Generosity to help you with that storytelling. So we encourage you to, to look for that. With a monthly subscription to the Center, you get access to a weekly roundtable discussions with our consultants and you have access to them in office hours. You also have access to them through their scheduling apps that you can schedule one-on-one time 
uh, and that comes to you through the Center for Generosity. So if you haven't checked that out, we encourage you to join and, and find your way through there for that one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, you also have access to videos and, and documents. And, and we've designed the center for CEOs, for development officers, volunteers, uh, board members, fundraisers, all kinds of folks. We are expanding our lineup of what we call master classes, which are a deeper dive into topics than we do in our roundtables. Some of those are an hour, some of those are three hours, some of those are a series over a period of weeks. And so uh, don't forget to check out the schedule for master classes. And all of that can be found at the website centerforgenerosity.com. We hope to see you in the center soon. Mitzi, thanks for being with us today. Those thanks, listeners thanks. out there, thanks for joining us and we'll see you in the center.